0: What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. (laughs) I could stand the sight of worms and look at microscopic germs, but technicolor pachyderms are really too much for me. Chase them away. Chase them away. I am afraid. Need your aid. Podcast defense on parade. (laughs) Podcast defense. (laughs) Podcast defense.
1: I kept waiting. I was
0: like, when is he going to put the word podcast in there? You and me both. <laughs> I also want to acknowledge, all right, for anyone listening, I am aware that I could have done podcast of mine. True, true. It's a it's a much more famous song, and it also uh, fits a lot better. Is <laughs> <laughs> a lot less sweaty than podcast offense.
1: Oh, but podcast offense was very funny.
0: Thank you. Thank you. See, mom gets it. No, the thing is, Pink Elephants is the best song. And it's the one I wanted to do. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. And if you don't like that, maybe you'll like this. (music) Hello, everybody, and welcome to Me, Mom, and the Mouse, a podcast about the joy of watching cartoons with your family. We're watching every film in the Disney animated canon and talking about how it was made, what it means, and why we love it or don't. My name is Isaac Coleman, and I'm joined as always by my mother, Rue Coleman. Hello. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing podcast
1: (laughs) Good one, good one. That's gonna be funny every time.
0: (laughs) You you might say podcast juniors coming round the track. (laughs) This week on the program, we are continuing Disney's golden era with 1941's Dumbo. Directed by Ben Sharpstein, with additional sequences directed by Norman Ferguson, Wilfred Jackson, Bill Roberts, Jack Kinney, and Samuel Armstrong.
1: I guess every movie's gonna have a lot of directors.
0: All of these early ones. So, Mom, Dumbo, what does this movie mean to you?
1: Well, I have always liked this movie. It's not been one of my favorites, but always a fun watch. I liked letting you watch it as a kid because it is short. Sure. Sure. I will tell you, when you were 15 months old, so a little over a year, you had already seen it enough times to have your own word for Dumbo. Oh? You used to call it mummo. <laughs> <laughs> this also meant elephant. Well, of course. Even if the elephant wasn't Dumbo.
0: <laughs> I assume this is common with children. I did a lot of that. The one I know of is we had a fan that was also a light, and so my word for both fan and light was f-
1: Yes, and you also had certain words that you repeated. So a cup was not just a cup. It was a cup, cup, cup.
0: <laughs> so if you're a baby, you might say <laughs> that I'm a a of momo. <laughs> That's a great story. This movie, a, a great one to be covering on this show because it is mom-centric. It is. When you watched this after becoming a parent, did it hit different?
1: I think it did. I think that have, being the mom- with a little baby watching this movie was definitely different than just being a kid watching this movie because I did see it as a kid, probably sometime after the 85 or 89 re-release of the movie. We got it on VHS and so I got to watch it as a kid for quite a while. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was very different for me after you were born. We did try using baby mine as a lullaby, but uh, it didn't work for you as well. Um, you were much more fond of classic rock.
0: What this movie means to me, uh, like you say, I watched it a billion times as a kid. It was never one of my favorites. With this, I was almost a little bit worried about this rewatch because I had remembered it being like the depressing one. (laughs) I thought this was super sad. I thought that in part because, as we'll talk about next week, to date, I have never seen Bambi. It's true. So that was not the depressing one for me. Dumbo was. But uh, obviously we rewatched it together as we always do. And it was one of those like, how well do I remember this movie? And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, right. I remember this. I remember this. (laughs) I remember that. Like I had all of these memories. They weren't accessible, but they clearly were there. I really, really enjoyed it. I was kind of surprised, even though I knew I liked this movie. I was surprised how much I enjoyed rewatching it.
1: Yeah, it is a good one. It's paced so well. I always forget that that it doesn't feel as short as it is.
0: Mhm. It is one of the shortest Disney animated films at a mere 64 minutes. Mhm. But it doesn't feel super rushed. No. It feels like the right length for the story. It does. But the runtime was not solely plot motivated. The history of this movie starts inexplicably with a guy named Everett Whitmire. Okay. He was a Syracuse advertising agent and a, quote, ideas man.
1: <laughs> good work if you can get it, I guess.
0: <laughs> I have never had an idea in my life, so <laughs> I, I can't help but admire. Um, He was not necessarily a good ideas man, <laughs> as uh, perhaps evidenced by Rollabook. Rollabook. Have you heard of Rollabook?
1: I have not heard of Rollabook.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I will send you the only known picture we have of Book, which is actually a picture of the patent. If you're listening along, you can, of course, look this up on your own. But basically what we're looking at is a book-shaped object with knobs coming out of the side that you turn, and that turns the pages for you. Vertically, like, it scrolls the pages rather yeah, than turning the pages side to side for some reason... <laughs>
1: That's pretty strange. Um, I guess it's to make the page turning easy for little kids.
0: Inexplicably, uh, Whitmire was not the only person who thought Roll a Book, a.k.a. a less convenient book, (laughs) would be a huge success because Helen Aberson Mayer Mm -hmm. and Harold Pearl were writing a children's book that they called Dumbo. So it was
1: always named after the mean nickname he has
0: given. <laughs> Correct. It was not called Jumbo Jr. <laughs> they came to him specifically because they were not only interested in publishing this children's book, but were excited by the possibility of a scrolling book. Again, for some reason.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can actually think of similar style things, toys that I had seen later, but they were mostly pretending to be, like, TV. And, of course, there wasn't TV back then, so this is that's right. not what this is all about. And it it scrolled from side to side as opposed to up and down, which is what this looks like it does.
0: Yeah, it's definitely up and down. Yeah. You also, by the way, unlike a regular book, if you want to read the book again, you have to wind all the way back to the <laughs> beginning.
1: Well, you know, rewinding.
0: <laughs> yeah, but manually, with a cranky... <laughs> Helen Durney was then brought on to uh, redraw the images of the book to fit Rollabook. Of course. And then it's not clear how exactly this got to Disney. Um, I've read two different accounts. One says that Whitmire <laughs> himself was like, oh, my pal Disney would love this. Um, <laughs> another version I read says that the head of Disney merchandise, Kay Kamen, was interested in investing in Rollabook. He showed Rollabook to Disney the Rollerbook happened to contain Dumbo. Disney read it and was like, well, this roller book thing's a piece of crap, but Dumbo! <laughs> Either way, Disney becomes aware of the story and feels like it would make a great movie and he purchases the rights to it. Alrighty. He pays a one-time fee to Aberson Mayer and Pearl. Mm-hmm. Aberson Mayer actually stayed on and worked on the movie throughout, apparently. Hmm. Helped kind of adapt it to screen. Nice. Um, but was not paid for that. Of
1: course not. <laughs>
0: I actually want to talk about Helen Aberson Mayer for a moment, okay. Um, because I think that her life is quite interesting. Dumbo, the flying elephant, is the only book that she ever published. Uh huh. Her family says that she wrote more into the sixties that were not published. I will say there is some question of credit over who deserves mm-hmm. more kind of credit for the book. Um, yeah. During his lifetime, the husband really said, like, no, it was mine. And he was most, <laughs> Harold Pearl. He was most often called the brains behind it. Um, yeah. She maintained up until her death that that was not true. And he was trying to steal the credit from her, uh-huh. uh, which I'm kind of inclined to believe, both from the sources I've read and because that's how history works. Men taking the credit from women. Right, right. And another really interesting thing about her, she was really proud of this book. Uh huh. She said she liked that it was tinged with sadness, but demonstrated how perseverance triumphs in the end.
1: hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah. And also, her son said that uh, he thought Dumbo was kind of a metaphor for her own experience growing up as a first generation Russian American and a Jewish person.
1: Ah, that is interesting.
0: It really is. And especially watching it this time, I really connected to. This movie and how it shows discrimination both from like the time in which we are recording this in August of 2020. That is, you know, a huge national conversation right now. Right. But also my, you know, our own experiences being Jewish, the discrimination I faced growing up Jewish in the Bible Belt in the American Midwest. Mm -hmm. And so it was really cool to see that like those messages of discrimination of like dealing with discrimination, not the messages of discrimination. (laughs) Look, we'll get to the crows. The messages of dealing with discrimination, they were written by this Jewish woman about her Uh experience as a Jewish immigrant.
1: Mm Hmm. Yeah, interesting.
0: Cool and good. Yes. She had kind of a sad life because you know not getting her other books published getting the credits stolen by her husband Mm -hmm. the book was not published on Rollabook, book even though it was written for it was eventually published as a regular degular children's book (laughs) through (laughs) disney owned uh little golden books oh good but when the copyright expired because of course back then copyright expired after like 20 years a thing that disney would change yeah disney or you know the the Disney company, I'm not saying Walt himself signed off on this, right. but they took their names uh, off of the book. They were no longer credited or paid for it. Um, so, I see. you know, that's that's kind of sad, but I'm glad she wrote this book and helped write this movie that is such an enduring piece of art. It is. So... Making this into a movie, it was originally supposed to be a short, but uh, Disney was like, hey, what if we made this a feature-length film, which is apparently what he's doing these days. <laughs> However, Disney Studio was in definite financial trouble because Pinocchio had done well, but it had not made back its ginormous budget because of the war.
1: Because of the war, it couldn't really be shown in the European markets or anything, and that
0: was the big hit right there. Exactly. Exactly. And Fantasia, of course, we talked about all of its release troubles and all the money that it failed to make last week. Mm -hmm. So the idea of Dumbo was we need to make a low budget feature that will bring in some money. Yep. So that's a big part of why it's so short. They stick pretty closely to the book. They changed the name of the mother from Mother Ella to Mrs. Jumbo, Mm -hmm. which is better. Yeah. They replaced a Robin character in the book who is a wise Robin, apparently, uh, with <laughs> Timothy Q. Mouse, which is also a great idea.
1: Yes, definitely a great idea to have a mouse because then you can have the fun scaring the elephants bit.
0: Yes, and also to have it be more of a wisecracker than kind of like this wise, moralizing character. Uh, I mean, when we get to the movie, we'll talk about Timothy a lot. Mm-hmm. And they also expanded a sequence with one crow into a much longer crow sequence, which, again, we will talk about. Timothy Mouse is voiced by Edward Brophy, who was a character actor in a couple of Thin Man movies. He was known for portraying gangsters. Uh, He's a Mm -hmm. great actor, and this is a great performance. Yep. even though it was his only voice role. The Elephant Matriarch and Mrs. Jumbo were voiced by Verna Felton, who was also the Fairy Godmother in Cinderella, the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland, Aunt Sarah and Lady in the Tramp, Flora in Sleeping Beauty, and Winifred the Elephant in The Jungle Book.
1: Yeah, she kind of stuck around, didn't she?
0: <laughs> Very, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the first Disney movie to feature one of my favorite voice actors one of my favorite kind of actors in the early disney stable for sure the one the only the great sterling holloway
1: yay
0: appearing in this movie is mr stork Yep. but who is also, of course, Winnie the Pooh, yes. Khan the Jungle Book, the Cheshire Cat, etc., etc.
1: Also, the stork, again, in a sh- actual short called Lambert the Sheepish Lion.
0: Yep, and uh, he had also been considered for the voice of Sleepy, but did not get it. <laughs> and the voice of Jiminy Cricket, Cliff Edwards, is back as the leader of the Crows, whose name is Dandy Jim Crow. Yeah... And the narrator of the Goofy How-To cartoons, one of the greatest series of cartoon shorts ever made. Definitely. Is the opening narrator for this movie. Uh, John (laughs) McLeish is that man's name.
1: I should have guessed that that was the same voice. But the narrator doesn't have a lot to do.
0: (laughs) The other crows were all played by black actors, many of whom were also in Song of the South in 1946. Mm-hmm. From an animation standpoint, Dumbo was designed to be made on the cheap. It didn't have any of the big special effects of Pinocchio, Fantasia, or Bambi. Yep. Ben Sharpstein, as the supervising director, his like main order that he was given was keep the movie inexpensive. <laughs> so character designs are simpler, background paintings are less detailed. They used watercolor paint for the mm-hmm. backgrounds, which were also used in Snow White but we're not used in the other movies which used uh, more expensive oil paint. There yeah. is one other movie in Disney's history besides Snow White and Dumbo that used watercolor backgrounds. Can you guess what it is? It is a movie that has come out in my lifetime.
1: I do not know.
0: That would be 2002's Lilo and
1: Stitch. Huh. That's interesting.
0: That is interesting.
1: I wouldn't have thought... I don't know. I don't look at the backgrounds and think... What was that painted with?
0: (laughs) Well, you are not a huge dork then. (laughs) Production of the film was interrupted by an animator's strike, which, you know, was good because we've talked about Disney not having good labor practices. Yeah. Uh, They got slightly better after this. The first movie to be made under the union contract that resulted from this strike was Saludos Amigos, the next year in 1942. Mm -hmm. You can read all about it. It is interesting. It's not too directly relevant to this movie. One thing that is interesting is something that some of the strikers were upset about is that on Dumbo, Disney brought in a lot of less experienced animators rather than kind of using the A-team, again, to keep costs down.
1: Right. They were probably still working on Bambi, the A-team, I mean.
0: Yes. Uh, And, you know, Fantasia and all the other insane projects that were happening simultaneously. Of Uh, course. Although... Some of the legendary animators of that time, like Ward Kimball and Walt Kelly, worked on this movie. Kimball, for example, did most of the work on the crow scene. The movie was released during World War II in 1941. It cost $950,000 to make, making it the cheapest Disney film to date, and uh, it made almost twice that. Very good. Yep, it did exactly what it was supposed to which was uh, Make Money for the Studio. <laughs> and it was very critically well-received. It was nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Original Song for Baby Mine, and Best Original Score. It won for score. Mm-hmm. This movie was well-liked and is very good. Yep. And I mean, that's pretty much it. There, are mm-hmm. Shall we talk about this film now?
1: Yes, let's. Does our synopsis need to be really short because the movie is? <laughs> <laughs>
0: we can try. I think going short is not usually. (laughs) I don't think it's our thing.
1: No, it's not. It's not.
0: So we open on some very fun carnival credits. Yep. That immediately set a very cheerful tone for the film. Uh, Yeah,
1: followed by a big (laughs) storm with a serious narrator. (laughs) Yes. Setting a very dark tone for the movie.
0: And this was the first (laughs) part where I could kind of see where they're trying to save money. Um, Uh Because this opening sequence is just like rain and clouds and no characters for a while. Not that it's bad. I mean, it's very evocative. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about this movie. I don't think it looks particularly cheap. Um, No. I I think they're very good at finding ways to save money and still look good. So there's this big storm, and there's this narrator talking about through the snow and sleet and hail,
1: through the blizzard, through the gale.
0: Can you do the whole thing?
1: Oh, uh, now I have to think about it. Um, through the blinding lightning flash and the mighty thunder crash, ever faithful, ever true, nothing stops him, he'll get through. And then it goes into our first Tremendous. song. Because it sounds like it's going to be, you know, a postman or something.
0: <laughs> yes. But it's the stork. yep and we do indeed get our first song look out for mr stork performed like most of the songs in this movie by the sportsman and as the storks are coming in by the way we see Mm -hmm. a really fun thing this movie does which is that whenever we're doing like an aerial shot it looks like we're on a map
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: everything is labeled like the state of florida is labeled
1: yeah, all the states are different colors, and you can see roads.
0: And even when they zoom into the circus, all the circus buildings are labeled at first, <laughs> so you can know what they are. Um, and yeah. the storks are uh, they are dropping babies to all the animals at this, to my knowledge, unnamed circus.
1: I saw something that said, if you're watching carefully, when Casey Jr. is leaving, you can see the name of the circus, and it's the WED Circus for Walter Elias Disney. I didn't catch that myself when we were watching, even though I was looking to see if the circus had a name.
0: I did not catch that. Unverified,
1: unverified um, comment I found on the internet.
0: (laughs) There you go. By the way, if it matters, we watched the Disney Plus version of this movie, as I believe we've done with all the movies so far.
1: Yeah, it just makes it easier to watch it together.
0: There is, for some reason, a rumor, a persistent rumor... (laughs) that disney plus uh version of the movie removes the crow scene it does not this is not nope there's a disclaimer in the description about the you know uh what what do they say may
1: contain outdated cultural depictions yes thank you i'm pretty sure that was on pinocchio too so it's Uh, on many of the old things it's on probably many should, of the old probably movies. Probably should be on Fantasia.
0: Yeah. Snow White. Snow White's fine. But, oh! Uh, coming in over the wire, can we get a mom status on this movie?
1: Mom status for the entire movie? She's alive. What's up with That's that? That's true.
0: But right now, she's not Right
1: now, she's expecting. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> she is. Unlike all the other animals at the circus who just, like, wake up and are like, oh. The baby is next to me.
1: She's actually awake, watching the storks deliver the babies and going,
0: Where's mine? Reaching for some of the others as they fall down.
1: Just in case they're hers.
0: It's really sweet and a little sad. Yeah. It's the morning now, and an instrumental version of Casey Jr. starts playing. Yep. We're seeing all the animals. We're seeing the circus pack up from wherever they were here.
1: The winter quarters. Circuses always had their winter quarters in Florida because it's warm all year. Makes sense. You know, got your animals and stuff. You want to keep them warm in the winter.
0: <laughs> For sure. So they're packing up. Immediately, the elephants have, like, a ton of personality as they're filing onto the train they're going to be traveling on.
1: Yep. And they're not just filing onto the train. They're actually helping load. Right. <laughs> the animal, the elephants do a lot of the work. They do. And I think the movie is supposed to be set in what would have been the present day, 1941. Not 100% on that, but I think it's supposed to be.
0: I think so. Yeah. We don't really know... Because this is a movie from the animal's perspective. Very, right. very explicitly. So, you know, yes. they, they don't know from time. For sure. There is a Disney butt joke TM as <laughs> the elephant matriarch, who is very fat, attempts to get onto the train.
1: Has to get pushed in by like six or seven of the assistants.
0: <laughs> and then the train says, all aboard. Let's go. Because the train... Kind of has a voice. And gets started in this very silly way that just <laughs> absolutely killed mom.
1: <laughs> it did. It's funny every time. It is. It's, it's like trying so hard and, every, but every, and then it, everything like bumps backwards and then bumps back forwards again and gets it going.
0: It's, it's it's like the, you know, car you had in high school of trains. <laughs> right. But then it starts rolling and we get the song Casey Jr., which is another great song. Yep. I like every song in this movie, uh-huh. which I definitely could not say of Pinocchio or Snow White. <laughs> Fantasia doesn't count. It's
1: true. Those songs are, I mean, you might like all those songs, but they're right. I, I they're I classical like music. Those... So yeah. it's a completely different reason why you'd listen to them than you might listen to these songs, which have right. words and you might want to sing along.
0: And the songs in this movie are a little more contemporary and a little more kind yeah. of fun. And there's more of them, right? This isn't like, someday, my friend. <laughs> this is, you know, can see you, You're coming round the track. Da, 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 da.
1: Yeah, which is part of why I think the movie is supposed to be more of the present day. Of yeah. the 40s, because it has that more contemporary music.
0: So uh, the train's going through Florida, which is apparently empty and full of hills.
1: Yeah, I don't know why the Florida has hills like that. But whatever.
0: <laughs> and we meet a character who is just called Mr. Stork. Yep. When he's credited, but yep. who I wrote down in my notes as a nerd stork.
1: <laughs> because nerd he is.
0: <laughs> he's a dork stork, if you will. <laughs>
1: Uh, He's definitely taken a while. I don't know if it's because this is like a deluxe delivery or something or elephants are heavier and it takes longer to come from Stork Mountain. I
0: thought he was supposed to be lost because when we're introduced to him here, he's like, he's messing around with a map that he doesn't seem 100% confident with.
1: I love the business with the park sitting on a cloud and the baby basket keep blanket keeps trying to sink through the cloud and he keeps having to grab it and pull it back up. Yep. I don't know. Sitting on Cloud Business is always amusing to me.
0: It's always They do it in
1: Mary Poppins. It's very similar <laughs> but still just as funny.
0: I like all of the business in this movie. I like this dorkstork character. He goes down onto the train. He's peeking into every car being like, "Mrs. Jumbo, oh no, that's a tiger, you know, <laughs> roaring at me." Mrs. Jumbo, no, that's something else. Yeah. But he finally makes his way to the elephant car, where we meet all the elephants. Uh, There is Mrs. Jumbo. There are also four other elephants. There's the elephant matriarch, who is the, like, very stuck-up one. Yes. There is- She's the boss. Yes. There's catty elephant, giddy (laughs) elephant, and prissy elephant.
1: (laughs) I wonder which of those is the one I said she's like the blonde.
0: I would imagine that's Giddy Elephant. Probably. I wrote down that there are two jerk elephants and two stupid elephants.
1: <laughs> Believable. Believable. And I, yes. I
0: believe Matriarch and Caddy are the um, jerk ones and uh, yes. Giddy and Prissy are the stupid ones.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely think Caddy is the one...
0: Who's always, like, sharing the choice gossip. She's dishing the goss. Yes. She will dish a lot of goss later. But uh, the (laughs) dork stork, he delivers the baby to Mrs. Jumbo. He recites two poems. He gets the (laughs) signature. He sings happy birthday. He indicates (laughs) this is all part of the service. His version of happy birthday has a huge finish. And then he is uh, hooked by, what do you call those?
1: Uh, I don't know what they're called, but they would be for like mailbags.
0: Yeah, those things next to a train that have hooks and that every single person working in cartoons (laughs) in the 1940s got a lot of mileage out of.
1: Definitely. I mean, they're in all kinds of things, people getting hooked by those
0: absolutely and uh sadly with with all of that business concluded dork stork is now out of the movie
1: goodbye but he was great while he was there yay sterling
0: holloway that's you know i i feel like so much of this movie is like here's a great scene with a great character and then we're done we're moving on
1: it's true kind of like a bunch of little short uh bits right stuck together for a movie but it yet but yet there is a good overarching story
0: yes and it's it's my point with that was more like what we were talking about with it being so well paced. Nothing mm-hmm. overstays its welcome. Uh so the baby is there. It's named Jumbo Junior. Yes. Everyone loves him.
1: He's so cute.
0: The elephant matriarch goes coochie. <laughs>
1: It's all her fault. She makes him sneeze.
0: And then what does his sneeze reveal? Giant ears! Jumbo? You mean Dumbo? That's catty for ya. So uh, he is immediately cast out because of how he was born. Uh, He's immediately disliked, but his mother loves him, and she wraps him up in his ears like a little blanket burrito. It looks very cozy.
1: Yeah. Baby who comes with his own blanket. Very convenient.
0: I love that the Mrs. Jumbo character, other than a couple of lines she says to the stork and, uh, of course, the song, I like that she doesn't really speak.
1: It's kind of odd that she doesn't, it seems to me, because all the other elephants talk so much.
0: <laughs> I think that's kind of the point, right? You I know, guess. They're, as as Timothy later says, gab, 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 they're always gossiping. Mm-hmm. She's not a part of that. Yeah. But it's a it's a good way to set her apart as mm-hmm. well. From the beginning. I don't think she's supposed to be part of the in-group. Yeah. And she, of course, is just so happy to have a wonderful son. Mom's status. Fulfilled. Mom's status enriched. (laughs) Mom's status hashtag blessed.
1: There you go. There you go.
0: The train chugs up the hill. This is where it's going. I think. I can't even do it. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. There you go. That's pretty good.
1: Well, apparently it was a woman who did Casey Jr.'s voice, so maybe that's why I can kind of imitate it pretty good, because I never would have guessed it was a woman. I thought
0: I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. (laughs)
1: Right
0: right here on Wikipedia, Margaret Wright (laughs) as Casey Jr., the sentient 240 tender locomotive hauling the circus train. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I know. If you say so, train people who know what trains are (laughs) they're arriving at their first
1: destination and they must set up the circus in the rain and the storm i think it's interesting that the very beginning part of this movie especially is very much a musical with not much conversation at all especially like before dumbo arrives you could think of it as like all just musical stuff yes Um, there's not really conversation then there's a little bit when dumbo arrives But then you go back into it being very musically based and music telling the story until at the circus the next day, once it's all set up. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of goes into a lot of more talking.
0: I I did want to talk briefly about this sequence where they're setting up and we get what's called Song of the Roustabouts. Yep. Um, This is a really incredible sequence. uh, Yeah, I think like I love all the storm lighting. Um, there's a great little moment of Dumbo trying to help his mom, hammer yes. in a stake. Because as you say, the <laughs> elephants are like doing a lot of the work here.
1: Yep. Not only the elephants, the camels are helping a little bit.
0: I really enjoy the song itself. I don't think I'd ever really uh-huh. paid attention to the lyrics of the song. Um mm-hmm. and I like the we don't know when we get our pay, and when we do we throw our pay away. We get our Wait. pay when children <laughs> say, with happy hearts, it's circus day today. <laughs> As much as uh, this feels like Disney maybe saying, hey, strikers, be happy not getting paid. Um, (laughs) I I do actually, like, I like the sentiment.
1: Yeah, you get paid once the movie's making money.
0: (laughs) One thing to note about this, that again, you know, we're going to talk about a lot more later with the actual crows. The characters in this scene, uh, the people building the tents are. The Roustabouts. The Roustabouts are primarily black. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song is not sung, to my knowledge, by uh, black people.
1: I think it's that same group who did the first It is. It is. It's,
0: it's the sportsmen. Mm-hmm. Some people interpret this scene as being problematic as well. Mm-hmm. Um. In part because the black men building this are kind of almost faceless uh, and like Mm -hmm. silhouettes. And also because of the line, grab that rope you hairy ape in the song. Okay. Now, I just wanted to note it, not really offer an opinion on it, except for... The humans having less, like, detail on their faces uh, uh-huh. and on their persons and being more like silhouettes is a stylistic choice throughout the whole movie.
1: It definitely is, and not just with these black people here in this part of the movie it's definitely even later with everybody. Exactly. Because the Which, people are, the the humans are less important to the story most of the time than the animals.
0: Right. Which, again, I would imagine is in part a cost-saving measure, but is mm-hmm. a really great way of emphasizing, like we said earlier, that this is a movie from the animals' perspective. The animals, you know, see the differences in other animals yeah, but all the humans—I don't know—they seem to kind of look the, you know, same to them. They have little dot eyes. Yeah,
1: and this song, while it's you know they are putting up the circus, and it requires people to be there working too. The purpose of it, as far as the movie goes, is to see the cute, silly things Baby Dumbo is doing, trying to put up the circus.
0: Exactly, Baby Dumbo's a good guy.
1: I'm like, he's you know a day or two old. <laughs> Depending on how far they had to go to get to their first stop, right. it may, he may be hours old <laughs> and he's already trying to help instead of being yes. like, you know, hey, kid, go sit out of the way while your mama
0: does this work. And he's doing, you know, he's helping as much as a baby can, but he's right. not like, you know, later we'll see him maybe being a little more clumsy. I think actually... Is that in the next scene? Actually, the, the next scene after this is the uh, big circus parade.
1: Oh, you're right. I forgot about the parade.
0: I also forgot about the parade, uh, which <laughs> is just like, hey, look at how cool the circus is. There's a monkey who uh, breaks his cage and then sheepishly fixes it.
1: It's very funny. Like, I'm supposed to be super fierce, but I'm not
0: really. But Dumbo, he is also there, but he trips in the mud. Yeah. And people laugh at him.
1: Yeah. I mean, he is pretty cute with the little, he's got the little, uh, uh palaquin on his back with the dolly in it <laughs>
0: very cute uh but that is why he's then getting a bath
1: uh it's it's so cute it's just a little little child having a bath and the mom having to you know actually do the scrubbing and stuff while the child's trying to play in the water
0: and splash around yes uh, i remember those days <laughs> dumbo of course does not talk he makes little squeaks and it's mm-hmm. great And I also noticed as he's drying off, so like, you know, they're not drying him off with a towel. He gets out of the water and is jumping around. You can already (laughs) see he's like starting to leave the ground a little bit, (laughs) which is good foreshadowing, of course, for the fact that he will fly. Yes. It's a super cute scene. And like watching it, you immediately you're like, I love Dumbo.
1: Yeah. You're like, why would anybody be upset by his big ears? They're adorable. Yeah. He trips on them occasionally, but it's okay.
0: Yep, and then it's, you know, this is all one scene. You get that stuff with the bath, and then the boys show up.
1: Yeah, all the bratty boys show up to look at the attractions in the tent, and they decide they need to make fun of Dumbo. It always cracked me up that the one who, like, starts the teasing has just as big of ears, which is probably intentional. Um, I think so. That They did that because they're like, pass it on, I guess, the
0: mockery. He has to make fun of somebody with bigger ears. Correct. So that his big ears don't get made fun of. That's, Correct. that's how it works, right? Some people feel like they have to put down people who are lower than them on the societal totem pole so they can feel yep. it.
1: And Dumbo doesn't get it at first, which I think is also cute, where he's just like playing along, yeah. letting them laugh at him, and he's like, okay with it the mom is like "Mm." he's a born performer he's got the he is he does he does but she doesn't get really upset until the boys come into the pen and start actually messing with him
0: yes they're like
1: grabbing his ears and pulling him and yanking on him and this is a baby animal right stop being so mean
0: He's doing, they are doing what they're not supposed to do. And the guards of, you know, whoever circus employees are presumably there to stop that do nothing until she retaliates.
1: Yep. She spanks the boy with the big ears. That's <laughs> oh, that's funny. She's yes. spanking him with her trunk, throwing a hay bale. And then she gets kind of really angry. She gets enraged and her eyes go red. And then they have to try to grab her and... Chain her up, and it's very sad.
0: Which, again, like, obviously, this movie is very simplistic. It's a cartoon, it's for kids. But in a lot of these scenes, it does feel like they are doing, and I don't even know how much of this could truly be intentional just because, like, you know, knowing who is working on it. But a lot of this does feel so true to discrimination, even today. Yeah. Right? What we were just talking about. The time in which we're recording this is shortly after the uh, the Jacob Blake shooting, mm-hmm. um, where again nobody seems to care if the police officers shoot and hurt and kill black people. Right. But when the black people try to protest that, then mm-hmm. suddenly we're very concerned about law and order and people following the rules. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, for this, sure. So much, you know, reminds me of that, and then not for nothing, uh, Mrs. Jumbo gets put in prison. Right.
1: It's actually I don't understand why I mean taking it as a like a discrimination thing makes it seem almost worse that the other elephants are rejecting her and Dumbo so much. It's right. like, aren't these your people? <laughs> you no, would, you, they're not!
0: You would think it makes me hurt more. Yeah, maybe it's intersectionality, I guess. Like, yeah, he's, you know, they all face the same discrimination as elephants, but Dumbo also has to face the discrimination of this birth defect, I guess. I mean, yeah. you can get lost in taking the metaphor too literally. Yeah. Uh, but yes, in this next scene, the way the other elephants are talking to them also, or talking about them, certainly not talking to them, but talking about Jumbo and Dumbo yeah, also feels very real. Yeah,
1: it does, because at first they're going on, oh, did you see what she did to the ringmaster? Oh, that was so funny. But she went too far, you know. It's all the fault of that baby with the stupid big ears. Yeah. And we're just going to shut him out. And this... Pretend you don't see him.
0: I feel like from the the second the boys start being jerks, this Uh has just been bad emotions. It's like, (laughs) because again... They've made you care about these characters so quickly, and this is all so upsetting. That short little scene with, you've got the bath, and
1: him playing around, he's playing hide-and-seek with his mama, um, and you get this, Oh, it's so cute, such a great little relationship there, and then suddenly, torn
0: apart! This culminates with Dumbo, very sadly walking away none of the elephants will talk to him
1: or eat at the same bale of hay with him
0: i mean yeah i forgot about that line yeah the like not in my backyard like you know oh it's okay (laughs) that he exists but i don't you know ever want to interact with him right fortunately we need some lightheartedness yes and they perfectly bring in edward brophy as Timothy <laughs> Q. Mouse, which I truly think is one of the greatest vocal performances in a Disney film.
1: Yeah, it's very good. His
0: voice is at least as expressive, if not more so, than the <laughs> animation. And it part of the reason I feel like it's such a great performance is because I think the entire rest of the movie kind of hinges on this character.
1: Well, yeah, because Dumbo, of course, doesn't talk. And if you're going to have any talking, you kind of need to have Dumbo having a friend or whatever who is doing the talking. Timothy Mouse kind of adopts him. (laughs) Yes.
0: And and Timothy Mouse is also, in my opinion, we did the Pinocchio episode, so everyone knows how I feel about Pinocchio if you've listened Mm -hmm. to that episode. If you haven't, go back. It was really funny. I liked that episode (laughs) a lot. Yes, it was. It was very funny. (laughs) But I feel like Timothy Mouse is a successful version of the Jiminy Cricket character.
1: He is because he has a moral center from the beginning.
0: (laughs) Exactly. He's he's still wisecracking. He's still kind of a weird hobo who lives in the circus, (laughs) but he is a fundamentally good, well, mouse, but person.
1: Right. What's the matter with his ears? I don't see nothing wrong with them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Here, of course, he says, gab, 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 there is gossiping. And he goes, there he goes, without a friend in the world. <laughs> and he actually says, in what feels like it must be very pointed, again, this is 1941, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He scares all the elephants. And then after he does, he scornfully says to them, look at you, a proud race. <laughs> and then he goes out to where Dumbo is, And I was telling you, now there are a lot of different theories about how, you know, activism works, how activism should be done. But in what I've been involved with, the main sort of structural framework I have Uh been taught is activism as having two parts, which is exactly what he does here. The first part is validation and kindness Mm -hmm. to marginalized Mm -hmm. people, which is what he does. He, like, cheers Dumbo up. He gives him a peanut. And then material help. Which is what he does next, because he tries to get Dumbo a job. Yeah. So again, in this very silly, cartoony way, this character is a really great illustration of how to be an ally, if you are not a marginalized person. Mm -hmm. Not that we know what exactly Timothy Mouse's deal is. Again, he just (laughs) seems to live at the circus, at some point have gotten a tiny mouse-sized ringmaster's uniform, (laughs) and he likes to eat peanuts.
1: Yep. I mean, maybe he's just following the circus around for the peanuts, but for all we know, he lives in whatever town they've set up the first circus in, and he just came to the circus that day. Probably
0: not, though. Unclear. Here's his deal. He's Timothy Q. Mouse, and he's a mouse. He is. Uh, And
1: he's very kind, and he makes friends with Dumbo and takes care of him because he's a baby on his own. Yes. (laughs) That's what's extra cruel.
0: Whose He's ears still... are fine. Honestly, we were talking about this during. You would think if you owned a circus, if you were the ringmaster here. Right. You'd be, you, you'd be like, I've got a weird looking elephant front and center. Great. We're a
1: circus. Right. But that in the freak show tent, we have the elephant with the biggest ears. See, the one and only baby elephant with ears as big as himself. I mean, that's totally what you would do with a circus.
0: Uh, But the ringmaster has a different idea. (laughs) One of my favorite running threads throughout this movie is all the animals hate the ringmaster. (laughs) Here, he's talking about how he has an idea and Timothy says he's never had an idea in his life. Yeah. That fat, worthless pig.
1: That kind of does indicate that he's been with the circus for a while now that I think about it.
0: Yeah, that's true. Or he's just assuming. He took one look.
1: (laughs) I saw your circus. It
0: was lame. (laughs) Uh, And the ringmaster's idea is the pyramid of pachyderms.
1: (laughs) Which seems like such a poor idea in real life. I mean, don't think about it in real life.
0: To be clear, in real life, what this is is... Mass elephant slaughter. (laughs) It's so Especially how it ends up. But he needs a climax. Yep. And he doesn't have one. So he's going to go to sleep and hope that it comes to him in a dream. And Timothy's like, well, that's oddly specific.
1: Challenge accepted. (laughs) I do quite like this silly bit where Timothy creeps into the ringmaster's tent, where we've just seen the ringmaster only in like silhouette again. The silhouette stuff is very funny. And it's cheap animation, but looks cool like yes you don't think about it being done to save money because you're like we're on the outside looking into the tent of course we're animals why would we be inside the tent with the ringmaster watching him talk to his assistant
0: exactly
1: so timothy sneaks in he crawls under the sheet and then he stands up with the sheet on like he's a ghost sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) talking in the ringmaster's ear. I am the voice of your subconscious mind.
0: <laughs> yes, there's a great double act between Timothy Q. Mouse under the bedsheet and the Ringmaster's ear. Yes, which like and twitches. his weird
1: snory talking noises.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is just a really funny scene, which is good yes. because we need it to be nice and lighthearted. Timothy yeah. is giving a really good pitch; like he could be the Ringmaster if he was not a mouse, right? so tiny doing the whole you know (laughs) what's what's at the top of the pyramid
1: waving his little flag for a grand climax and how many times did they say the word climax in this segment (sighs) oh my goodness Probably a hundred. (laughs) Probably. And of course, he convinces him that Dumbo needs to be the climax of the pyramid.
0: Right. He should be on top of the pyramid, which, yeah, makes sense. He's the
1: tiniest. (laughs) Kind of weird
0: that you didn't think of that, but okay.
1: He probably forgot there is a baby elephant already.
0: Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Well, I can't give anything to the baby elephant. I hate that guy for some reason. (laughs) Every scene is doing like two or three things. You know, because this scene with Timothy, we've had the comforting Dumbo, we've had establishing Timothy as a character, we've had setting up this big climax, and then we immediately cut to them doing it. Like, waste no time. Once again, the elephants are uh, making fun of the ringmaster as they get into the pyramid. They're also insulting each other.
1: Because it's not actually a pyramid of elephants. It is all of the elephants on top of the matriarch elephant on top of a ball.
0: Right. (laughs) Which again... Mass elephant death. Yeah. Elephant chunks raining down from the sky.
1: (laughs) Oh, such a bad plan. Yeah.
0: Such a bad plan. uh, Fortunately, it's a cartoon.
1: Fortunately, it is. It might have worked better if they had practiced it in advance, but no. Yeah, They just go straight into doing it.
0: It really doesn't feel like they've practiced they're they're (laughs) not doing a very good job um (sighs) and dumbo is backstage practicing his run-up and he trips over his ears so tim Ties them up. On top of his head. Which, of
1: course, when then when he's revealed, makes everybody laugh at him, which makes Dumbo upset, because the last time people laughed at him, his mom got taken
0: away! I want to beat up everyone who laughs at Dumbo, IRL. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stop laughing at him! He's just a baby! <laughs> Timothy gives him a, a stick with a pin to make him go, and, of course, his ears untie while he's running, And then he trips on him and he misses the springboard and he runs into the ball and the entire thing comes toppling down in quite hilarious ways, actually. (laughs) With all the elephants landing and falling in extremely funny ways until then the entire tent and everything is broken.
0: This is a surprisingly uh, long scene which is good but i agree yeah they really were like we get a lot of physical comedy out of this i also i was making this point while we were watching it this is a great circus
1: i know right wouldn't you go see this circus they put all these
0: (laughs) these elephants in a giant pyramid if you saw the pyramid of pachyderms in real life which uh you never will (laughs) because physics exists but you would be like that's that's the best circus act i've ever seen
1: you don't even need a climax i mean that's pretty amazing right there
0: exactly cirque de (laughs) whom this sequence also has maybe my favorite line in the movie certainly my favorite line not spoken by timothy q mouse yeah which is the elephant matriarch and the elephant pile is running around dumbo accidentally like winds up in front of them and so is running as well um, she's on the
1: ball, remember? She's rolling. Oh yeah, the she's ball. on the
0: ball. She's rolling. It's like Indiana Jones running away from the boulder. <laughs> and she says to Dumbo, Out of my way, assassin. Yes.
1: That was one of those words that for the longest time when I was a kid I couldn't understand what she was saying. Cause she actually kind of says, ah, assassin, with like an H at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, what is she saying? <laughs>
0: Because she's so hoity-toity, but I just yeah. think it's so funny to look at a baby and be like, Out of my way, assassin!
1: I know!
0: Uh, And as you say, everything explodes, tent gets destroyed, and Dumbo waves a flag very sadly.
1: It's broken. Broken flag. Broken, broken everything. Flag.
0: So we cut back to another gossip sesh with the ladies.
1: Who are all, you know, with ice and bandages and... Right splints and all kinds of things on themselves Because, of all... course, they got injured.
0: <laughs> yes, all comically injured. The caddy elephant says that, uh, you know, oh, but they got him good. They've made him a clown.
1: <gasps> no, a clown. And so then, of course, they have to say he's no longer an elephant. Right. Because they... the elephants are dignified.
0: Yes, they, they take a solemn vow. He is no longer an elephant they are literally dehumanizing him de-elephantizing him but yeah you know they're stripping him of his personhood
1: even more than they already had like right basically now they're formalizing what they had already done
0: we were already ableist but now we're going full ableist <laughs> yeah and then we get uh scene of the clowns again these clowns are really good. This is this a is great a quite, circus.
1: This is quite a great clown act.
0: Every like little pair of clowns is doing their own funny thing. Yeah. And they got an alpha in clown makeup.
1: Looking like a baby.
0: <laughs> I know this is supposed to be some horrible, you know, humiliation for Dumbo, but I don't know. Yeah, if I saw this at a circus, <laughs> I'd be like, "That's that was a great clown act, and that was a great elephant.
1: Right, that elephant did a great job. It's funny.
0: Sure enough, the clowns in silhouette in their own tent, again, they say that there were apparently 13 curtain calls, and the act is a big hit. <laughs> and they drink a toast to Dumbo. Uh... In this scene, by the way, many of the silhouettes are caricatures of Disney animators, <laughs> and their little song at the end... Uh, When they're singing about, you know, barely a song when they're like, we're going to get a raise. We're going to hit the big boss for a raise. Oh,
1: we're going to hit the big boss for a raise.
0: That was intentionally a, a reference to the strike.
1: Yeah, I can believe it. that one that scene with the silhouettes is always rather funny because you can see the clowns taking off their costumes and so you've got the big fat clown who pulls the plug and his costume deflates and you know the one who's been running around like the elephant mother going save my baby is now talking in a big old gravelly voice and taking off his dress you know and yeah um There's all kinds of silliness with these silhouettes that is quite funny. And probably funnier because they're silhouettes than it would be if you just saw a bunch of clowns taking off their
0: costumes. It, like, forces, you know, you have to communicate what they're doing very, very clearly. Yeah. It's great. I agree. And in the middle of this, Dumbo is heartbroken. Timothy is basically trying to say what I was just saying of, like, yo, you're a hit, you know.
1: You're a big star.
0: Dumbo doesn't want to be... A star is a clown. He wants to be an elephant. He wants to be his own person. He wants to be with his mommy. So Timothy takes him to Mrs. Jumbo. Who is, you know, again, imprisoned in like a mad elephant cage. And this is the scene where she sings Baby Mine. Or doesn't. Well, oh, well, yes. So here's. There was much Disagreement. But here's the
1: disagreement that I have. Some people say Mrs. Jumbo is singing Baby Mine. I say that. During this scene. Isaac says this. I say I have always, every time I watch this movie, interpreted it as it's like a song that's going on during this scene. Because most of the songs in this movie are basically like this Look out for Mr. Stork. It's not being sung that's by true. anybody. Casey Jr. Song of the Roustabouts. You could say the Roustabouts are singing it. Pink Elephants on Parade. It just goes on while this is happening. So most of the songs in this movie are just, I don't know, like you could say Greek chorus kind of thing. Nobody on screen is singing them. So in my mind, because you don't see Mrs. Jumbo actually singing it, I have always interpreted it as, this is just the song that happens while she's rocking him. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's like, we're giving them a private moment together. Right. Maybe she is talking to him, but we don't get to hear it.
0: Which is certainly possible. Counterpoint. It's called Baby of Mine. It's her baby. <laughs> that's that's the counter argument, right? Like is just right. that's the most obvious. Either way, Baby of Mine is sung. I have to tell you though, the song itself, it's a beautiful song. It's yep. a very sad song. It's a beautiful lullaby. It's this is surely the saddest moment in the movie. But I will tell you the exact part that breaks my heart. It is actually slightly before the song. Mm. It is when Mrs. Jumbo, because she is chained up, she hears Dumbo outside. And, uh, well, I guess really she hears Timothy saying, like, Dumbo's outside. She reaches out through the bars to try and look at him. But the chain that is chaining her to the wall is too short. She cannot see her son. No. She reaches out with her trunk, and her trunk is clearly blindly reaching. And he takes it with his trunk. Yeah, that is the moment that breaks my heart. That she can't even see him.
1: Yeah, he's so happy to be with her, and yet he's trying not to cry too because he's also sad that right. this is all they get.
0: Which is why this movie felt like it was depressing to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think overall it's a particularly depressing moment, but the no. or it's a particularly depressing movie. But the moments of sadness are so powerful, and so real. They're very poignant. Again, even though it's a cartoon, it's all a metaphor for real stuff, and it's all like, there are, you know, people whose parents are in prison, unfairly. Yeah, this is real. This is real emotion. This is this is family separation. The clowns decide they want to make the fake building that Dumbo jumps off of comically huge. <laughs> yes,
1: if they laugh when he jumps twenty feet, they'll laugh twice as hard when he jumps forty feet.
0: Which I don't think is how comedy works, but these are clearly very successful clowns. So you right, know, I don't they wanna, I'm they not... go
1: create. They keep going up and up and up, and they finally say a thousand. Which I, it's just that's. <laughs> That's one of those, like, really, guys? Really? I know this is crazy physics breaking circus, but come on now. Is your big top a thousand feet tall?
0: (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Uh, So they go to pitch this idea to the ringmaster and also to ask him for a raise. On the way, they knock alcohol, some, like, green rat poison or something. (laughs) Into a bucket. Timothy and Dumbo return. Dumbo is crying. Timothy's trying to make him feel better. He says, if you cry, you're going to get the hiccups. And Dumbo gets the hiccups. They're very cute hiccups. They're very cute hiccups. And he's like, well, you got to drink this green booze water. <laughs> well, he doesn't. He thinks it's
1: just water.
0: (laughs) You got to drink from this (laughs) witch's brew. It does look pretty creepy
1: when you're actually paying attention, but they think it's water at first. It is not.
0: And uh, there's tons of great, silly animation of them drinking and being drunk and blowing bubble shapes.
1: The bubble shapes are when it really starts getting funny.
0: So we always like to talk about our favorite scene. I don't know about you. This is mine.
1: I think it's mine too. (laughs) I was trying to think about it the pink elephants part sp- starting with the bubble blowing lead up to me it mm-hmm. starts with when they're blowing the bubbles and all that silliness turning into the pink elephants pink elephants on parade song that whole bit i think is my favorite
0: it doesn't technically do anything to like forward the plot of the movie no but who it's cares so funny. really like yeah, it's really funny. It's it's the most Fantasia-like moment in this movie. Yes. In that it's very surreal, very abstract. It's clearly the best song. <laughs> it is also performed by the Sportsman, but... It is performed by the Sportsman and... Thurl Ravenscroft. Okay. Do you know who that is?
1: The name is familiar.
0: He is the incredibly deep-voiced man. He's the one who does, I can stand the sight of worms. Makes sense. Uh, he's done many other things. He was the voice of Tony the Tiger. He... he did the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. He did backup for a lot of different singers, including Bing Crosby and Spike Jones. <laughs> and he is also a main character in one of our secret bonus episode movies. Ooh. I have a suspicion. He's also a voice on the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion rides.
1: Again, I can the... totally believe it, But the deep voice.
0: <laughs> right. Whenever you needed somebody with the deepest possible voice, Thurl Ravenscroft was there, and yet, I will send you a picture of him. So think okay. about that voice, right? That huge, deep voice booming voice deep, deep deep think about in your head what the guy with that voice might look like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then look at this picture of him <laughs> if you're listening to this episode you can google Thurl ravenscroft and you will see a picture of this uh tiny skinny man with very a pencil very skinny man he does not look like he would have the lungs to produce that voice. He's great, and he is featured on this song as well. He should be. Do you have anything else to to say about the Pink Elephant song? Like, there's no point in describing the visuals.
1: No, not really. I was trying to think, like, is there a particular moment of the Pink Elephant silliness that's my favorite? But not really, because like each weird thing just leads into the next weird thing.
0: There's the there's the elephant worms. There's the elephant <laughs> made out of elephant heads angrily walking towards the camera there's (laughs) elephant pyramids there's elephant belly dancers elephant camels
1: Don't forget the elephant who's dancing with a lightning bolt.
0: Oh yeah, I love the elephant dancing with the light. I mean, yeah, it's good. (laughs) Tall elephant dancing with a small elephant that gets multiplied like a hundred times. Yeah. That's cinema.
1: (laughs) And then they all just kind of float down and turn into the pink clouds of dawn.
0: Yes. The way the music crashes at the end and all the elephants crash. Like, yeah, people talk about this scene not having much relevance to the plot, which is more or less true. It is a good visualization of drinking alcohol right all the fun (laughs) and craziness and then it starts to get really abstract and you start to lose more of your senses and then you crash (laughs) and you wake up the next morning and you feel bad oh those pink elephants and then there is the crow characters and the song when i see an elephant fly we need to have a serious conversation about the crows yep if you're a listener you are almost certainly aware of the controversy around the crows because it's pretty offensive in a modern context. The main crow, again, whose name is Jim Crow or sometimes Dandy Jim Crow.
1: I think the thing is they originally named him Jim Crow. And then in the 50s, they changed his name to Dandy Crow because they didn't want to keep calling him Jim Crow.
0: This is the character also who is played by a white guy cliff edwards i'm going to read you some quotes from ward Kimball, who animated most of this sequence for a brief time around 1922 edwards teamed up with lou clayton doing a blackface act and received some recognition for achieving what one reviewer called a faithful degree of black speech nuances Mm -hmm. yikes Cliff Edwards doing the voice of Jim Crow really made the whole sequence because he was quite adept at doing kazoo solos on his old records and he could vocally imitate other instruments. Many of the instrumental effects on the track were done by Edwards, which is cool. That is cool. Voice-wise, he sounded more black than the blacks. Okay, that right there is bad. Yeah. So, I mean, this is... Explicitly, they hired a blackface performer to do a blackface performance. Yeah. The movements of the crows are based on minstrelry and minstrel shows. Mm -hmm. The song itself, you know, uses quote unquote jive and this idea of black people saying things wrong, which is why it's I be done seen about everything. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing more broadly That we, at Me, Mom, and the Mouse, want to talk about. Um, There's going to be quite a bit of racially insensitive stuff in Disney movies. You know, we've already talked about some small examples. This is the biggest example to date. But there's, like, the what makes the Red Man Red scene in Peter Pan. Yeah. Pretty much the entirety of Pocahontas. (laughs) Uh, A movie we're not looking forward to talking about for several reasons. Mm. We have talked a lot about how we want to address stuff like this. Because on the one hand, it is not appropriate to pretend that it is not in these movies or that it is not a problem. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, this is a show about watching cartoons with your family. It is not a show about, you know, confronting the horrors of racism (laughs) or talking about the history of it. There are other podcasts that do that very well. You know, Karina Longworth's show, uh, You Must Remember This, a podcast Mm -hmm. about film history, did a series about Song of the South and talked about these crows in relation to that. This And, And we are both, if you don't know, which you probably do, we are both white people. We are. are both white people living in the American Midwest. We are not and don't want to position ourselves as a definitive voice on these topics. And Definitely. we want to treat them very carefully. Not because we're worried about being, like, canceled or no. anything like that. But because this represents real pain for real marginalized communities.
1: And we want to respect people and raise them up and not tear them down.
0: So we talked about, like, should we have guests of color on podcasts that involve, like, people of color. Like, do we need to have a Native American person on the Peter Pan episode? Do we need to have a black person on this episode? That's certainly something we could do, and it's something we've chosen not to. Um, in part because that's not really what our show is. The yeah. only guests we are planning to have on the show are family members, mm-hmm. because that's the focus of our podcast, like we said.
1: Watching movies with your family. Exactly. And kind of specifically with our family.
0: There is also this famous podcast episode of a podcast called How Did This Get Played? Which is a podcast about bad video games. They had a Thanksgiving episode about Custer's Revenge, the very offensive game sort of technically featuring a Native American, which I literally cannot describe on our family-friendly podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they had a Native American comedian named Joey Clifton, and he used the episode to talk about, hey, this kind of sucks. It kind of sucks that the only time you bring on a Native American guest is for your Thanksgiving episode to talk about a Native American game, and you don't just have me on to talk about, like, other video games, right? Makes sense. You don't just have Native people on as a matter of choice. You don't just have Black people on as a matter of choice. And, you know, it's this really great... You can look up both the episode and an article he wrote about the episode for the AV Club. Look up Joey Clift, How Did This Get Played? Where he talks about, basically, podcasts doing this kind of tokenization and why it's bad. And we don't want to do that.
1: Definitely not.
0: So, what we are going to do. We will offer our own perspective on these things as we offer our own perspective on everything in the movies we talk about we will try to give some historical context like we do for everything in all the movies we talk about but the most important thing we're going to do is we are going to put writings from actual writers of the marginalized group that we're talking about so like in this case we are featuring black writers in the description of this podcast and we highly encourage you to read their words on the crow scene. Mm -hmm. So I have three articles pulled up for this movie. The first article I'm linking is by Monique Jones, writing for Just Add Color, who writes about the crow scene and what it means to her as a black woman. And she links to lots of other great sources, many of them also by people of color. So that's a really good introduction to the topic. Uh, The second article I'm sharing is by another black woman, Jennifer Borgett, I think. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that name. It's titled Why I Let My Kids Watch Dumbo Even Though It's Pretty Racist. And it is a perfect <laughs> article for this podcast because even though it's kind of centered around the scene in Dumbo, it's more broadly about how she, as a black mother of black children, talks mm-hmm. about the racism of Disney movies with her kids and why like, they still consider themselves a Disney family, yeah. even though stuff like that is in these movies. Good, Perfect companion piece to this podcast, yes. because it's, it's very much me, mom, and the mouse. And then the third article I'm linking is Black Crows and Other PC Nonsense. As you can tell by the title, it is not a perspective I personally agree with, but it was written by Floyd Norman, who was the first African-American animator ever hired by Disney He was hired in the 1950s, and he talks about talking to the animators who worked on this scene, including Mm Kimball. So whether or not you agree with that perspective, I felt like it was a good one to share. I recommend, you know, that you read these sources and other sources besides and, uh, you know, elevate Black writings on issues that affect Black people. Yep. All right. I think that went okay. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything else you want to add, Mom? I do think that this scene
1: is not quite as bad as it's going to be worse when we get to what makes a red man red. Not that this yes. scene is great, but I don't even know. I don't know if we even need to include that comment. No, no, <laughs> I, think it's,
0: I think it's fine to talk about. I mean, the thing about this scene is that at the time it was not seen as offensive. Yeah. In some ways it was actually quite progressive to A, have the crows who are obviously black-coated be mostly voiced by black characters. Other than the one Jim Crow. And also the fact that these crows are good characters. They are. They are not like they talk and they move stereotypically. They are not themselves necessarily stereotypes. They are characters. Right. And they are good characters. After they sing this mocking song. Timothy gives his speech about, you know, how would you like to be made fun of? Mm-hmm. How would you like this? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the sad story of Dumbo's life. Yep. There is a great visual detail here where when he's talking about some of the things the humans have done to him, yeah. he is briefly silhouetted behind Dumbo's ear. Mm-hmm. Just like the humans are silhouetted in the tents. Mm-hmm. And the crows like turn around. They're like, hey, you're right. We're sorry we made fun of him.
1: Yeah, they immediately apologize and work to make it better.
0: So they are some of the best characters in the movie. They which are. Which is why, you know, this is a tricky subject that requires talking about with nuance. <laughs> yeah. There is no just like, ah, it's bad, forget it, mm. or it's good, stop complaining about it. The crows say they're going to help Dumbo with psychology. Yeah. And they talk Timothy Mouse into giving him... A magic feather. Yeah. And they tell him that if you use this magic feather, you can fly. Mm-hmm. And I checked the time now as they're, like, heave-ho pushing Dumbo off the cliff.
1: To practice.
0: <laughs> it was less than five minutes until the end of the movie. Yeah. If you ask people what the movie Dumbo is about, they would say, an elephant with big ears who can fly.
1: It's mostly build-up to the flying, though. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's only here in the last five minutes. But again, it doesn't feel... This ending doesn't feel rushed to me particularly. It's just this is a simple short story befitting a simple short movie. Dumbo does fly. Uh, It's a really nice affirming
1: moment. Yep. He's excited. The crows are excited. Timothy's excited.
0: Then we just go straight to the clown act where he is indeed on a (laughs) 1,000
1: foot. Or at least a much taller building. Who knows?
0: Again, elephant death incoming. (laughs) Yeah, like I like the whale and Hitchhiker. Elephants go. don't
1: have feelings, right? Exactly.
0: We have the little bit of business with the magic feather, where he drops it. He drops it and Timothy has to be like, no, you can just fly. That was a lie we told you kind of for no reason. To try to give you confidence. We were just trying to give you confidence. We know you can fly. You did it already. Ah, ah. I've just realized that lying to kids is not an effective parenting technique. Ah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, he hasn't had any experience as a parent before. Randomly adopting this uh, elephant. Yes.
0: And at the last second, of course, Dumbo pulls up and we immediately have this great newspaper montage talking about what a well, success forget- he is. Well, don't forget,
1: He gets to get revenge on everybody first. Explain. One thing I had been thinking about is who are the villains in this movie? There aren't specifically just one villain. You can kind of say the clowns are villains because they treat Dumbo cruelly. He don't got no feelings. The ringmaster a little bit because he takes away his mother without trying to find out what actually happened. And the other elephants are obviously partly the villains because they are cruel.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So Dumbo shoots everybody with, uh, peanuts when he's flying around like a bomber, like a, like a bullet, bullets out of his nose. (laughs) Like
0: a, like a fighter. Or,
1: yeah, yeah, like a fighter jet. He does end up staying at least, if not with that same circus, with a circus, though, when it goes to the end. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think it's supposed to be the same one, but I do, I want to say that it's interesting that you talked about there not being a villain. I, I basically agree. The villain in this is, like, discrimination. The right, villain in this right. is society. This is something I was not going to talk about in a sequels, remakes, rides, uh, uh, uh pull it up. sequel spin-offs, remakes, rides, reboots. <laughs> but, uh, I will just briefly mention now, there was a video game called, like, Disney Villains Revenge or something. It was a video uh-huh. game with all the Disney Villains.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, Disney Villains Revenge, 1999, PC game. And in that, they have a, like, Dumbo level, and they make the ringmaster the villain.
1: Yeah, I still think that the other elephants are more villainous than him. Yeah,
0: if if I had to pick out a single villain, if I had to pick who you're going to play in the Disney villainous board game...
1: Matriarch Elephant?
0: Yeah, Matriarch Elephant, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Assassin! (laughs) Out of my way, Assassin! (laughs) Uh, your goal in Villainous is to get out of the way. Hopefully everyone here has played the board game Villainous. It's a really good board game, especially if you're a Disney fan. Definitely.
1: A lot of fun. One of my favorites.
0: Um, but yeah, there's the newspaper montage of like Dumbo's a big hit. The circus is a big Success. hit. Yeah. Everyone loves
1: him. His ears are insured for a million dollars.
0: Timothy Q. Mouse is his manager and has just a ridiculous looking picture.
1: <laughs> and signature. Bigger and than signature. himself. <laughs>
0: And then we have one last visit to Casey Jr. And all the elephants have uh, made peace. And they've changed their tune. And uh, the crows are also still there. And Dumbo flies down to his own private car.
1: Luxury looking car.
0: Yes, (laughs) in his own luxury train car where his mother embraces him. And they ride into the sunset. It's it's a beautiful ending. And yeah, it I, like it is kind of fast, but also we don't we don't really need to waste our time. Like you know yep. what happens. Yep, here it is happening. Mom status at the end, free. Yay. <laughs> yes. Proud of Dumbo and happy. Wonderful. She deserves no less. Yeah. We stay in a single mother. <laughs> That's Dumbo. That is the very good, slightly problematic movie Dumbo. Yep, which is a great portrait of fictional discrimination even if it's not always the best uh, example of combating real life discrimination. Very true. So, now it's time for, and I'm going to get it right this time. Spin-off, spin-offs, remake, spin-offs <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: Sequels, spinoffs, remakes, rides, and reboots. How come I can do it better than you can? I
0: don't know. Put in the sound effect. <laughs> sequels, spinoffs, remakes, rides, and reboots. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot. Yep. Dumbo book, which obviously the Disney company like owns now. Yeah. Uh, several sequels have been written to it. It's been turned into kind of a whole series of children's books. There is a Dumbo the Flying Elephant ride in most Disney parks. Correct.
1: And of course, Casey Jr.'s Circus Train in Disneyland. I think it's at Disneyland Paris, too. It is, yes. Which is similar to the similar view you get as to the Storybook Land Canal Boat Ride, which we mentioned when we talked about Pinocchio because it has Monstro. (laughs) Little tiny train. This is not a ride for big people. (laughs) No. So you may not even remember having ridden it.
0: I do not. We have ridden it, but... Not any time recently. Casey Jr. is also part of one of the best Disney park attractions. Mm -hmm. Because Casey Jr. is the second float in the Disneyland Main Street Electrical (laughs) Parade. (laughs) Yep. Which rules. Yes, it does. There was another canceled sequel, uh, much like we've talked about with some of the other uh, Golden Age movies. Where there was going to be... Good that
1: it was cancelled.
0: This one was going to be, it looks like, I think, a real deal sequel. Huh. Not a direct to, you know, garbage sequel. (laughs) It was going to be directed by Robert C. Ramirez, who directed Uh Joseph King of Dreams. So Mm -hmm. if you want somebody to make a disappointing follow-up to a great movie... Robert C. Ramirez is your man. (laughs) And it was going to be about Dumbo and his circus friends navigating a large city after being left behind by their traveling circus. (laughs) Dumbo 2 also sought to explain what happened to Dumbo's father, Mr. Jumbo.
1: Dumbo's circus friends
0: would include the chaotic twin bears, Claude and Lolly, the curious zebra Dot, the older independent hippo, Godfrey, and the adventurous ostrich, Penny. The animals were (laughs) metaphors for different stages of childhood And it was supposed to begin the day immediately following the end of the first Dumbo movie. And once again, John Lasseter canceled Dumbo 2 immediately after being named Chief Creative Officer of Walt Disney Animation (laughs) Studios.
1: Yeah, let them stay happy. Come on. That movie
0: sounds so stupid. Yeah. Nobody has ever wanted to know the origin of Mr. Jumbo.
1: I mean, all the elephants in the circus are female. So I always just assumed they... <laughs> Don't
0: think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. <laughs> in this movie, you know, in this world, babies are delivered by storks, so maybe that's not. Necessary. I know.
1: It's totally unimportant. But they opened up that question when they named her Mrs. Jumbo.
0: It's it, when they named her Mrs. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I did yeah. think. Okay. And I thought Jumbo about Jr. That...
1: Jumbo yes. Jr.
0: I, I thought about that while watching the movie, but for like two seconds. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's Mrs. I guess there must have been Mr. Jumbo. But I. Then stop thinking about it, because I Cause do Because it's not care.
1: unimportant.
0: But also, like, there are characters in this movie, and you do like the characters. This isn't really a character or plot-driven movie. It's more mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of your basic morality play. Like, yeah. again, the whole thing is this discrimination metaphor. It doesn't sound like this sequel is dealing with that at all, you know? Yeah. It's just like, uh oh, Dumbo's having a circus adventure now. And it's like, that wasn't the point of the movie. That wasn't why the movie mm-hmm. was good. The movie was good because it had a theme. I admit it did not have an older independent hippo named Godfrey. Yeah. Yeah, would have been a waste of time. There was also... Now, we have uh, coined a new term in our family recently, which is when referring to the Disney live action remakes that have been happening recently... Uh, I have started calling them delarms <laughs> because you need a catchy term to refer to these things, and I liked your interpretation of it. Of it sounds like alarm. It does, yes.
1: Yeah, I am frequently alarmed when I hear that there's a new one.
0: It's it's the emotion you uh, feel when you see that a great animated movie has been turned into some boring shot-for-shot, brown, crappy CGI <laughs> remake. What you do when you see that is you ring the delarm. <laughs> And uh, I'll note, I know a lot of people like the Disney live-action animated remakes. I don't understand why you like them. Yeah.
1: Because
0: I feel like they suck all of the charm and personality and the great designs of the animation like we've been talking about out of the movie in most cases. But if you like them, that's fine. You know, it's it's totally okay to like a movie <laughs> that we don't like.
1: It's true. The live-action movie, though, or should I say The D'Alarm, is much longer than this one. And it sounds like if you put the two of them together, you would get two normal length movies. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> the D'Alarm for Dumbo was released in 2019. I saw this in theaters. I don't believe you've seen it at all. I have not. You're fine. (laughs) But it is at least more interesting than most of these. It is not a shot for shot remake. It is its own story. Looks really beautiful. I mean, Tim Burton, a great visual director. It is probably both one of the best alarms and one of the best Tim Burton (laughs) movies in the (laughs) 2000s and 2010s. I would not say it's a good movie. I think its Mm -hmm. biggest problem is that it is too long. For the story it's trying to tell. Even though it's different from the Dumbo story, it is still too long, and I found myself quite bored at the end of it. But (laughs) if you're going to watch one of these live-action remakes, you might as well at least watch the one that's trying something and failing. Yeah. Or you could watch... christopher robin which is the good one <laughs> or you could watch jungle book which is also good not as good as christopher
1: robin, oh that's true but it's I, also good.
0: I, I have not seen jungle book also some people say that new pete's dragon is good but is that a delarm because oh. the original the original movie was also live action the it was
1: live action with animated with an animated dragon and so i don't one. know
0: that i would count
1: it i don't know that i would count it as a delarm it's i don't know i mean it is a, it's a live action remake but not a live action animated remake
0: Yeah, exactly. Also,
1: I can't watch that new Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon, the dragon, Elliot, is not furry. (laughs) And every time I have seen the trailers for that, the dragon is furry.
0: It's true. She's giving me a very serious face. I guess, I don't know. I I haven't seen that movie. I haven't either.
1: Maybe it's great. I have no idea. The thing is, I can't say that the original Pete's Dragon is wonderful and great all the way through either. (laughs) It has some great bits. It also drags quite a bit. There are some really long songs, is what I'm saying. You could
0: fast forward and (laughs) you could be just fine. All I remember of the original Pete's Dragon is the villain and his songs.
1: Oh, well, yeah. Jim Dale, though. He's so great as the villain.
0: Well, that was a great discussion about uh, Dumbo 2019. (laughs) There is one other thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I always save, like, my favorite for last. Here's my (laughs) favorite adaptation. Have you heard of Dumbo's Circus? I mean... He's in a circus. Okay, Yeah, well, you've heard of The Circus. Dumbo's Circus was a TV series that aired on the Disney Channel in 1985. They made 115 episodes in a year. Wow. And then they ran it in reruns until 1997. (laughs) It was a sequel. I mean, not really a sequel. It used the same style as Welcome to Pooh Corner. Hmm. Which I would bet you have
1: seen. Yes, I think I have.
0: Welcome to Pooh Corner is a show where mm-hmm. all of the characters are played by live action puppets, people in suits.
1: I haven't seen much of it. Here's the thing. It was on the Disney Channel in the 80s. I did not have the Disney Channel. We did not watch most of the Disney Channel things back then. I sure. had no access to it.
0: Welcome to Pooh Corner is a good show if you are a baby. Yes, Dumbo's Circus is a bad show (laughs) Dumbo's Circus so it's about Dumbo is all grown up now he's Uh able to talk and he has begun his own circus okay he and none of the characters from the movie Mm -hmm. but a new cast of characters travel from town to town in a flying wagon pulled by Dumbo (laughs) they go to towns that will be something like tiny town or windy town or adjective Mm -hmm. town (laughs) Um, and they deal with a problem related to that adjective. So like in Windy Town, oh, it's kite day, but there's no wind. How will anyone be able to find a kite? (sighs) Fly a kite, rather. How will anyone be able to fly a kite? It's going to take 28 minutes of inanity. (laughs) And here's the thing. Both of these shows were people in suits with like puppet faces. They were big Hmm. live action puppets. Dumbo Circus also incorporates smaller hand puppet characters for the humans. Mm-hmm. welcome to Pooh corner looks pretty okay you know yeah. it looks a little janky in the way that cheap puppets do but yeah. like they're able to move fluidly the mm-hmm. dumbo circus puppets are horrifying <laughs> don't seem to move properly at all watching them in motion is so troubling the mouths don't seem to move right And also because the dialogue was recorded separately, the lip syncing is really bad. (laughs) It barely feels like they were trying to lip sync at all. Yeah. And the mouths don't work sometimes. So like in the episode I watched, which was the kite day episode, sometimes when Dumbo is talking instead Uh of the mouth moving, they just move the head up and down so that the trunk flops over (laughs) his mouth to trick you into thinking it's opening and closing. Yikes. It's, it's it's truly horrible. I could not finish the one episode I watched because it made me want to stop being alive. <laughs> this show is, is truly uh, apocalyptically horrible, but there is one bright spot in it. Oh, is there? It started the career of a voice actor whose work is very near and dear to both of our hearts. Who's that? It was the first ever performance by... Jim Cummings, yay! who was literally working in a video store, gave his audition tape to a producer who came into the store and got hired to this show where he plays this really annoying lion character who sucks. (laughs) But Jim Cummings, if uh, anyone doesn't know, would go on to be the voice of everything.
1: Yes, the voice of so many things, especially Disney things.
0: Yes, he is an extremely accomplished voice actor. He has been in many... Many Disney things, including many of the movies we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: So I'm glad that, you know, he got his foot in the door with this nightmare puppet show from hell. (laughs) So instead of putting a numerical rating on these movies, we like to ask each other two questions. The first of these questions is, Mom, would you recommend this movie? Yes, I would recommend this movie. It's a lot of
1: fun. The pacing is very good. Even though it has sad parts, you build up to them just right. The story as a whole just fits together so perfectly. I think it's a great movie, even though it has some problematic elements. I would still definitely recommend this movie.
0: I absolutely would recommend this movie. Obviously, it was a great thing to watch. It was especially a great thing to watch at this time. As we were talking about, it still feels very, very relevant.
1: And it's a good way to show, as you said talking about discrimination and you can start these conversations very easily with this movie yes which seems like a very simplistic story but says so much
0: absolutely so I think we would also both say yes to the second question which is would you mm. show this to a kid
1: yes and in fact I showed it to you when you were very young <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and the
0: the Great thing about this movie is the only part that might be scary Uh huh. in the second article I linked to in the description, that mother talks about how one of her kids was scared by the pink elephant sequence. Here's the great thing about that. You could just skip right over that. It's true. It's not important for the story. Exactly. You as an adult are missing the best part of the movie. But I tell you what, I bet on the DVD, that's a chapter skip one button <laughs> press. And
1: it's the next day.
0: I have to say, I would not say this is the best movie we've seen so far, which I think is clearly Fantasia. Uh But it's kind of the one I enjoyed rewatching the most. I I really had a blast with this.
1: Yeah, it was probably kind of a surprise to you because you said you mostly remembered it being sad and depressing.
0: Yeah, it was definitely that. That's going to do it for me, Mom and the Mouse. If you like the show, please come back next time for Bambi. Uh, What do you think of that movie, Mom?
1: I'm really looking forward to Bambi. It has been a long time since I've seen it. Because we don't own it, I'm excited to show you Bambi for the first time.
0: (laughs) That's right. Come back next week when I am a sobbing mess because of my first viewing of Bambi. (laughs) And until then, I'm me. I'm Mom. And it all started with a mouse.